0: Hello, and welcome back to Real Seekers. I'm your host, uh, Dale. Um, I usually represent the Christian uh, and Seeker side on the previous show of, of Skeptics and Seekers. And uh, today we actually have a couple guests on the show, uh, sort of a, a joint venture. So it's, a, it's an s and and Real Seekers uh, show today. So in the first place, uh, David, uh, welcome back to the show.
1: Hi, and uh, welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David, and uh, I, wait a minute. It's uh, kind of a combo <laughs> thing, isn't it? Um, sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know who I am or what I'm doing today. Um, very confusing. Uh, nice to be here. Excellent.
0: And we're we're joined by a special guest um, to have a combo here. Uh, some someone I've been on his show about three times already. But we have Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. Welcome, Robert.
2: Hey, a special guest. That makes me sound awesome. Thanks. Extra special. <laughs> I'm just some dude. But yeah, we love having you on every time, man. Always makes for great content, good conversation.
1: Kind of like a, at a circus with the moose-faced boy. People just can't get enough of him.
2: It's it's yeah. exactly, that's a, I was going to describe it that way. And you know, I hate, I hate how he drinks too much.
0: Halfway <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell them about that, Robert. Just,
2: <laughs> yeah, he's swearing his words. He's swearing. He gets belligerent.
1: I, I believe the belligerent part.
0: <laughs> so. Okay, so so that's it for David. Uh, we're gonna move on. <laughs> um, so so perfect. Yeah. So so what we're doing today? Um, I wanted to bring on Robert as a guest and and let him sort of select topics that were important to him. And uh, so we've agreed upon three major topics. So. The first one is going to be uh, just sort of a general, is the Bible true, um, true or false, and that sort of thing. We're going to get Robert's take on, on what his opinion of that is and then go back and forth a little on that. Um, then the second section is going to be on religion and politics. Um, so Robert is um, a political science major, um, so so that's a, a topic uh, that interests him. And then finally, we're going to close off on a, a section about morality of the Bible is is it an immoral book and stuff like that um yeah just just before we get into anything uh just for the people in the audience that aren't familiar with with you Robert why don't you give sort of a introduction as to who you are uh plug any projects that you have uh as well give us a a notion of where you're coming from in your so-called quote-unquote faith journey or deconversion process or something like that
2: yeah, I host the uh, podcast The Right to Reason. You can find it at therighttoreason.com, uh, patreon.com forward slash right, or on YouTube. Just type in The Right to Reason, or just Google it, and it'll pop up. Um, but I was uh, um, intending to become a pastor. Dad was a preacher, brother preacher, and uh, grew up in a evangelical, fundamentalist, independent Baptist household household. Um, Went to Bob Jones University uh, for my seminary and I dropped out. I, I kept asking God what I should do. I kept just trying to do what I thought um, excuse me what I thought uh, God wanted me to do and I kept talking to him but no one was talking back and uh, eventually that silence became kind of loud in a way you know what I mean and and I, I just had to Check out. I had to stop i had to I had to give up on this thing that clearly was a complete lie and uh, i I think of religion more like a virus where it's not you know it's not Dale's fault for having this cancer that eats at society uh, for for being infected with this virus i I actually I sympathize with Dale. I, th- I sympathize with believers. Um, I understand how they feel, where they're coming from, and I—I I don't want to use the word pity because it sounds almost condescending. But, and—and um, and that's certainly not my intention. But I—I just—I feel bad for them, and that's why I started the podcast. Is—is is, um, more or less a way to be be that person that helps give the push to people on the fence. Uh, because when I was on the fence, that was a very difficult time for me. I, I remember panic attacks. Uh, I remember crying. I remember just being angry. Um, that's a tough place to be. If if you're very confident in your faith, boy, ignorance is bliss and you're happy. I'm not saying that people of faith are ignorant people. I'm just saying you, they, they are unaware of the truth of reality, um, at least in the aspect of epistemology and, and deities and, and uh, often how science and philosophy works, uh, I, I, I think, but, you know, I could be wrong. And once again, that, that's, not, that's not to say they're dumb or anything. Uh, losing your faith doesn't increase your IQ in any way, obviously, uh, but it is a happier on the other side. Um. The, the only thing that i would say that those of you listening that might be on that fence and you're saying man i i really just don't feel this anymore i'm not too sure about it it's not adding up um but i don't want to be an atheist that sounds bad and and being on the other side of that fence is it's terrifying you know what, what happens to all my morals what happens to my family what happens to me what you know, am I going to turn gay? What's going to happen? <laughs> uh, the the truth is that there is one downside, is you have this natural sense of gratefulness inside you uh, for the beautiful day, for your life, for the, the feeling of love, um, um, how you feel when you look at your children, uh, um, just all, all these different things, all these happy moments. A great song comes on the radio, and you just roll the windows down, and you're just like, wow, what a beautiful day this is. You feel grateful for those things, and you you just have nowhere to place that. Um, and what a lot of people do is they end up just trying to make the world a better place than than it was when they came to it. So um, that's a good place to put that energy, I think. But yeah, you know, there's nobody to thank. Nobody made it. Nobody did this. It wasn't intentional. Um, but anyway, that was my spiel. That was my rant. But that was the whole reason I started the podcast. And it's kind of evolved into uh, a little bit more than just an atheist thing. Um, I like having conspiracy theory people on. That's probably my favorite, and you mm-hmm. know, we'll do a lot of political stuff. Um, Just having other people talking about philosophy. You know, it, it actually, I don't know, it, it might just be 30% God talk now uh, as as it's kind of evolved. It's kind of moved away from that. And that that's one of the advantages of losing the faith is you get a chance to ask some really fun questions that whenever you think, well, all the answers are... Between Genesis and Revelation, and we're done. (laughs) You know, like once, once you, once you say, "Wait, there's no God." Oh my God, what else is out there then? What, what is this? This reality is crazy, isn't it? And and you get to ask a lot of fun questions after you, kind of get that monkey off your back.
0: Yeah, I find I I think I I do want to highlight. Most of the people in my audience are are aware of your show and are our fans already but um just for the ones that that aren't familiar with that I would highly recommend robert's podcast and and it is interesting because he has a i mean he's got shows on Bigfoot for for crying out loud he he he's sincerely interested in in tackling any and all issues and um just so you know robert your your show actually inspired um we have a couple of other co-hosts matt matt taylor and andrew knight who run um it used to be called ask an atheist anything so they did a show strictly dealing with religious questions and that sort of thing but your podcast sort of inspired them to to rebrand as prometium and they they want to widen it to politics to, to oh you know other topics so yeah um yeah you've been been an inspiration to some of the atheists that's in our ne- audience there
2: that's neat i, I i'm familiar with asking an atheist anything that's neat but i didn't know uh I didn't know they switched it up.
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, perfect. All right, so yeah, with, without further ado, um, again, we're going to try to aim for about an hour here. So, let let's get straight into the first topic, and this was the
1: topic you selected, uh, Robert. Is is for, the Bible true? So, for the for oh. the sake of fairness, why don't I just uh, wrestle and beat you down, Dale, and take the microphone from here? Um, sure. We're sure so, showing <laughs> up. Um, and for the record, uh, you SNS listeners, I have no intention of going into politics. Bump that noise. Um, so, <laughs> so you've got some fine options if you want to talk politics and Bigfoot. Hey, just one follow up question, um, Robert. So you do a lot of Bigfoot. Is Do, do they like to be called Bigfooters? Or bigfootists? Do they have a Do they have a name? Are they footers or yeah, footists?
2: They yeah. They uh, like to be called searchers, <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> or or hunters. Either Hunter, that's okay. typically what they say. Or, or I I just ran into this one guy. I haven't done uh, done the episode yet, but he says um, aliens are eating people, and they touched him, and uh,
1: that was his uncle. Uh, but
2: anyway, <laughs> he he might have been an illegal alien, but he's not in that space. But Juan, Juan touched him, that's for sure. Anyway, but um the the guy uh, claims to be a scientist. And I'm I'm like, well, are you a real scientist? He says, yes. I said, well, what, what's your degree? And he's like, no, just high school. But, you know, <laughs> I, I'm researching stuff. Like, I'm really looking into this stuff and that qualifies as scientists to them. So I, they always call themselves something a little bit more grandiose than they probably deserve. But out of all all the crazies out there, the Bigfoot people are definitely the coolest. They're my favorite ones to talk to because they're usually just laid back guys that you want to just go grab a beer with, you know. They're they're just they like spending time out in nature and they think that's really cool and they're pretty open to being wrong. And that that to me is Is awesome.
1: Sounds like by the time you get to them, Robert, they're already a few beers in. Um, (laughs) So that said, let's jump right into uh, these topics, shall we? Um, The Bible. uh, As the question was presented, is the Bible true? Uh, This is a is is a poorly formed question. It's like asking is Shakespeare true or is Homer true. It's really more about. are the propositions, are the truth claims in it true? And is the Bible really trying to make truth claims in, in, in every page? Uh, so I think there's a lot more nuance here. So I just want to start uh, with Robert first. Robert, when you hear a question like, is the Bible true, uh, what, what comes to mind? How do you, how do you start processing that?
2: Well, I, th- I think Dale and I would disagree with you that that's an ill-formed question um that that's a totally reasonable question in my opinion is, is it true it is asking uh yeah like like you said are are the claims within it accurate um but also uh, does it have um can, can we test this historically uh can we can we make predictive uh um conclusions with it um is is there any scientific validity here you know that kind of thing and and I would say that my answer would simply be, no, it's it's clearly not true. I don't, I don't think it's the same as asking, is Shakespeare true? Uh, because whether it's the Old or New Testament, it is obviously written, um, making serious, literal claims. And the the writers had an intention with what they were writing. They weren't just trying to entertain or or make some kind of implication about the human experience, like a, like a play might.
1: Okay, so great. So I, I think Dale may or may not disagree with me. It depends uh, on which Dale we get today. We'll find out. But just uh, just to be clear, I I do think that lots of Christians would agree with with the way I asked the question. So, for instance, you are you are thinking about the Bible as a historical document, as if to say the Bible is making... Uh, historical truth claims about what really happened, and scientific claims about how the world really is, and a lot of Christians would uh, see past that and say, "No, that is not primarily what the Bible is doing. That's what it's doing sometimes, on some occasions." But you have to judge those, uh, the literature, based on the type of literature it is, and so you have answered the question that when you when you look at the Bible, you see it fundamentally as a book that's making historical and scientific claims is that is that correct
2: yeah and uh, i would love to look at it and in, in the way that you mentioned initially um that would really be cool you know like but that that's clearly uh the the modern christian version of let me get out of all the problems that are contained within these uh these, these books I don't, I don't. want to have to answer for all these flaws, uh, so let's just say no. It's it's not inerrant. It's uh, you know, it's a metaphor. <laughs> well, if that's the case, uh, I don't have to give it any credence any more than a Shakespearean play. And, and if that's the case, you're not a Christian. Okay. You're so just
1: uh, Dale. Uh, you've heard uh, you've heard this first part. I think I've set you up for an interesting response. And the interesting thing is after. Debating you for a year and a half on skeptics and seekers, I have no idea what you're going to say next. Take it away. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I do. I do take both of your points. I I, I agree
0: with Robert that there are um, certain historical um, and even implica- scientific implications, perhaps that uh, if they're asserted to be true, they. they by default, would need to be true or that sort of thing. But um, I would also point out that the main purpose uh, of Scripture is also about theological truths or spiritual truths, and, and that is the main focus of Scripture. So I think when you're looking at something like biblical inerrancy or is the Bible true, you have to be fair to, first of all, is it true in what it's asserting? And uh, or affirming to be actually true. and and you need to look at things like the genre of the text. So there's poetry uh, in the Bible. and and I wouldn't necessarily judge that uh, in the same way I would you know in terms of historical accuracy of of Jesus' existence or the resurrection of Jesus or something like that. so so there is there is some nuance here. There's different types of literature in the Bible, and and we need to be able to assess whether the Bible's true in in light of these various hermeneutical principles. Um, you know, like Jesus is the door. that That isn't literal. He, he wasn't made of wood or something like that. So yeah, that that would be maybe the only thing I might say is there's there's some nuance there.
1: Okay, but it sounds like you both are coming from a background, and by the way, I come from the same background of reading the Bible largely literally, but uh, I have been uh, talking to Christians for a long time uh, on both sides. I went to liberal churches. So I understand the other side of this and how it thinks. and I just want the audience to understand there is another side of this not represented by either one of us on the panel. But if I were to ask the question, say, it, does the Bible have allegory in it, mm-hmm. um, m- mythology in it, uh, the two of you might say no. And I might— be inclined to say no as well, but I can tell you there's a large uh, percentage of the Christian population that would say, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, Part of it is allegorical or even mythological. Um, That doesn't mean that it's not speaking truth, uh, but it's speaking the kind of truth that you get through allegory. So take the uh, creation story. Uh, if you will, mm-hmm. if I were to ask both of you, is that is that a is that written as a literal, historical, scientific uh, fact? And both of you might say yes, but I think a lot of Christians would say no, it wasn't written that way. And to read it that way uh, is to misread the scripture. So do you do you at least understand how the other side uh, might answer this question. I don't. I don't want to straw man Christianity by by saying, well, just because the three of us come from a kind of a fundamentalist background, that that somehow represents how most Christians look at the Bible.
2: Yeah, that that would be really awesome. You know, if uh, I I feel like I I could get along with that person fairly well, but I couldn't really respect them as much as the Dale types. Like, so we. We're probably not going to argue about gay rights, you know what I mean, with with someone like that. I, I probably would be able to uh, not not have the same kind of uh, objection to women being able to make decisions about what they do with their bodies. Um, that person seems like they might be a lot more open to truth and other facets of, of mythology as well, which... You know, we're on the same page there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible, even if you look at it from that perspective, um, of it being you know mythological and 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 uh, having some kind of elusive truth beneath the meaning. That kind of thing, like that, that would be great. It's just that person's I don't know. They're kind of half ass in their faith, you know. Like that's that's like that's like the atheists that say, "Well, I'm agnostic." Like this, just say it. You know, Robert,
1: you and I feel the same way about the whole agnostic thing. Um, (laughs) Kind of a kind of a chicken shit response to uh, wait a minute. This is going to appear on Dale's show, too. It's a chicken poop response um, for the skeptics and seekers listeners. A chicken shit response (laughs) to to a straightforward question. We can edit that. Okay. <laughs> so but, so I, I just wanted to, to make it clear that there's a different, there are different ways of viewing the Bible, and one of the reasons I think the question is somewhat ill-formed, not playing devil's advocate, is that the Bible makes lots of claims. It says lots of things, and I don't think that anyone here uh, would say, whether atheist or Christian, would say, well, it's all not true. I mean Robert I mean it's got a lot of accuracy as far as uh history places persons names events uh would you would you deny that
2: No no okay. I'm I'm with you 100%
1: All right so e- even even then you would have to say well it has some truth and some false uh And so in order to make this question most useful to the audience, I think that we have to drill down a little bit. Uh, Robert, you said, no, you don't think it's true and balanced. Uh, Dale, you said, yes, you do think it's true and balanced. Robert, what are maybe one or two examples of things that you think the Bible says that are important that you would put in the not true category?
2: Well, uh, if we're taking it literally. um... Well,
1: however you take it.
2: Yeah, well, from the from the literal perspective, obviously the, the creation story, uh, the fact that somebody can't live in a, a whale for three days. Anytime you say that, they're like, it's a great fish. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, someone can't live in a great fish for three days or the flood. That's just dumb. It's silly. It's got a lot of that kind of dumb, silly stuff in it, I think. mostly, Mostly the Old Testament. But the New Testament— uh, you know, it, it, it made some claims that caused some problems throughout human history as well, but those, those would be some easy ones to just pick at.
1: Okay. So creation, uh, Noah, uh, flood, the, uh, and, um, the whale, uh, Dale, you want to pick one of those and tell me why he's wrong?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so believe it or not, on, on the creation,
1: um, Account
0: and and same with the flood. Um, so I do. I am of the opinion with you guys that on a balance of probabilities, this is meant to be historical narrative. But I, I've actually come across some recent scholarship that did diminish my confidence in that. There, there is this genre called mytho history. So it so it accounts for things like you know, well, history you have these genealogies, but at the same time, there are certain mythic. Elements in it, so there's there's this genre called mytho history. It's not myth, and it's not full scale literal history. And I, I do think that this is a plausible position to argue for. Um, but on a balance of probabilities, I agree with you guys that that that's probably not what's happening here. So, under a literalist perspective, um, yeah, I would probably have to say it, it it's an error that in the sense that. Uh, The earth is not 6,000, very probably not 6,000 years old. Uh, I think it's an error that, uh, the the Bible in Genesis says that the flood was global. You know, it's above the the tops of the mountains and that sort of thing. So I I think it's saying under a a literalistic historical perspective that the flood was global and and that's very probably not true. In terms of the Jonah story, I I don't – even under a straightforward literalistic perspective, there's no problem there because it's a supernatural preservation in the the belly of the fish. So I can take that literally um, and not have an issue with it. It's a supernatural event. Uh, So, yeah, that would be my take on the three examples that he gave there.
1: Well, why wouldn't you be able to take all of them as supernatural? I mean, you could say, uh, look, we we have – uh, geology showing us certain in, uh, things about um, floods and the idea that it didn't happen, but it was a supernatural event. And so God didn't leave those geological traces uh, or, you know, the creation story. It, it seems not to comport with uh, what we can uh, determine, you know, at astronomically uh, about the age of the earth and things like that, but it was a supernatural event. And so uh God God does not have to be bound by the limits of the way things appear. Why couldn't you just say that about all of them, if you're willing to say it about Jonah?
0: Um, well, I think the difference is that, in the first place, the story of Jonah, the narrative itself tells us this was a supernatural event. God was at work in a special way to to get Jonah to do what he wanted to do. In the cr- case of creation, um, or geological gele- history and that sort of thing, Sure, the, the story of creation involves supernatural creation events, right? C- creating man out of the dust and that sort of thing. But um, God's sort of modus operandi is once he does a supernatural input, he lets nature take its course, right? After the, the virgin birth, after the virgin conception, uh, Mary had a normal naturalistic pregnancy through, throughout the rest of the her, her time in delivering Jesus. So yeah, I think, I think that when we have discoverable laws of nature that can account for the the evidence that we're trying to discuss, then we should privilege that because that's consistent with God's modus operandi. Unless the Bible tells us that there's a uh, specific reason to think no, there's supernatural input behind this.
1: So time time is tripping along. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna need to get to our second topic, but I just want to close this off uh, with a question to to both of you. Uh, Robert, you've heard, uh, Dale's answer and Dale, you've heard Robert's answer. I want to start with, uh, Robert first, Robert, it sounded to me, uh, just listening to Dale's answer, uh, first answer, yes, the Bible is true, but then he, uh, acknowledged two places where it may be false. Um, how did, how did you hear that? Is, is it, is it, can the Bible be true and be false in some of its truth claims? Is there a, um, you know can is it can it be mostly true or partly true or true enough in the important things uh you know do you see some nuance there
2: um, I, you know last night i told my son he he was being punished uh for for some grades that he had some bad grades i said you got to wash all the all the pots and pans and uh there's there's p- pots and pans from the previous evening's dinner sitting there and he comes up to me and says, you know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to wash and whatnot. And I say, well, you know what pots are? He says, yes. I said, you know what pans are? He says, yes. I'm like, so you did know what you were supposed to wash. You were just hoping that if you double checked, you know, like it would, it would turn out better for you to say one thing and then say another thing at the same time, right? And, and, and he gets away with that because he's a child, you know. But Dale's an adult. And And I feel like he has a certain uh, that Dale, we have the listeners, David, myself, we have a certain expectation of consistency mm-hmm. and integrity of speech that whatever you claim the Bible's true and you claim the Bible is also not entirely true, mm-hmm. that there's you 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 pay an immediate consequence in the minds of everyone that hears you say that there might not be a literal consequence you know like that there might not be like nobody's yelling at you nobody nobody's calling your names here uh it's not like you and i are no longer friends or something you know like i I like you dale but Mm -hmm. you have to be aware that everyone that you just said that to does not see you as an entirely honest human being at least not intellectually honest uh, uh not, not addressing the world with the same level of integrity that the rest of us do whenever we apply our worldview to it. Does that make sense?
1: So, Dale, you've been okay. accused of being an adult. How do you plead? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Uh,
0: yeah, okay. No, oh, but uh, do you mind if I just come back to As, that? Absolutely, uh, Dale.
1: I, I want you to close off this section. Uh, once again, I, I recognize that there's some nuance in what you're saying. I want to give you a chance to maybe salvage that. But I, I did kind of hear the original question being, well, is the Bible true? And both you and Robert kind of agreed on what you meant by that. And then you immediately said, yeah, but it may not be true here and here. So how does, how does the hearer, how, how should we hear what you mean there?
0: Yeah. So, so in the first place, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I get. I, I would love to be a biblical inerrantist. Um, but I have to be honest to how I see the evidence, regardless of whether that makes me appear consistent, logically consistent, or something like that to to people or not. I, I just have to be report that be honest that on a balance of probabilities, I do think these the flood and the creation story are are probably errors. Now, is it the case that I, that means I'm actually logically con, uh, inconsistent? No, because as, as David, you'll, you already know, I have my idea of the notion of God cannot allow what's called undue confusion. So God's main purpose in the text is, is not to give us accurate uh, dates or accurate numbers or, you know, in terms of the age of a king or or scientific data about the age of the, the earth. Its main purpose, that the reason God gave us any divine revelation at all is to provide us with sufficient evidence that will lead to our salvation. This is his um, main purpose. So so I sort of rank the various types of possible errors based on the degree of undue confusion. So that, that would be confusion that would Uh, unjustifiably hinder us from achieving our salvation, our main purpose, and I give percents to the various errors. So something like, is there an error that in the age of a king, is he 18 years old or eight? This is clearly an error due to the manuscript uh, preservation problem. What's the significance of that error in terms of falsifying Christianity or, or hindering us from achieving salvation very little virtually none. I would say it, it, it's a failure as an argument what about if there's uh, if we could prove Moses didn't exist well that's a lot more significant to me I, I think my faith could survive but of, I would say it's probably like 80% somewhere between 80 to 90% significance in terms of disproving Christianity if we could prove moses didn't exist i mean he's a foundational figure in salvation history and that sort of thing um something like if you could prove there's a moral error well that's even hot or a a major theological doctrine that's an error that's a lot higher i'm about 95 percent certain that would falsify christianity if there were such errors in the bible so i sort of rank um the significances of these errors and that's how i make sense of that's why I'm allowed to. I'm a lot more cool with saying, well, this minor thing is an error, or the age of the earth is an error. All
1: right, but do and you do at least matter? understand the person who would say, if we can't trust it on the little things that we can check, why should we trust it on the big things that we can't check? I mean, does, does that make sense to you that someone might feel like that?
0: It. It does. Um, but then I think you need to evaluate it on, but has God given us reason to trust that this is God's word? There, there are evidences that support the truth of Christianity and that the Bible is sufficiently attached to the truth of that religion. Then, yeah, that, that allows you to take the good, the bad and the ugly and and assess it in, in the light of those you know, God providing sufficient information for us to live a moral life and develop a salvation fit character and that sort of thing.
1: So we'll let that be the final word on that. Let's move on to um, politics for a moment. Let's just take a quick breather from the Bible. We'll get back there. Don't worry. Um,
0: politics. Just before before we do, just as a yes or no, Robert, um, did that did that help at all in terms of the the logical inconsistency, like the. Do you see that I have grappled with that at all? Did it help at all?
2: No. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Fair enough. Go ahead, David. Okay. Um, Yeah. So uh, politics, it's an important thing to all of us, whether we take the time to uh, acknowledge it or do something about it or not. So I I actually want to start with Dale on this since Robert uh, has the expertise. I kind of want him to fold in whatever Dale says. Um. Mm -hmm. With his response. And so, uh, church, uh, separation of church and state, we hear that a lot. I know that's important, uh, in America. Uh, Dale, you're not in America. I don't know what uh, the rules are where you are. Robert, are you America? Are you? Yes, Okay. All right, good. So, um... It, it seems like a very important thing, especially to those of us who, who don't believe. But even as a believer, I was a big uh, supporter of separation from church and state because I didn't want the wrong church, for instance, <laughs> making, making laws and rules. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't a very ecumenical Christian in that sense. So I just want to start with a, with a basic question of should there be a hard separation between church and state whatever that means to you dale
0: i think there, sh- there should yeah if we're defining defining hard in the way i would i, I think it's a great thing to have the separation of church and state I, I think that's the biblical position as well that the state should not be sponsoring and or actively endorsing a, a particular brand of religion i i think that you know, I, we should allow the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression, the freedom of conscience. Uh, I think these are all good um, rights that both Canada and, and the U.S. are a right to recognize. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board.
1: Okay, and just uh, quickly, what does separation of church and state mean to you? How do you define that?
0: Yeah, it's, it, so I, w- I would say it's it's... The state should not actively promote uh and or you know persecute certain religious outcomes it, it should allow for the freedom within a free and democratic society to have each and every individual be allowed to express their their religious freedoms within uh so in canada we have uh for our constitutional rights we have section one the reasonable limits clause and there, there are strict legal tests called the oaks test as to how you fulfill that so I think the state should only limit our freedoms, freedom of religion, that sort of thing, within reasonable limits. And there's, again, there's a strict test as to what a reasonable limit is. So that's how I see it.
1: Okay. And uh, before I hand it over to you, Robert, I just want to quickly uh, map out my theory on this. It's very very simple, really, although it gets me into quite a bit of trouble. Uh, I am not in favor of a religiously ecumenical state. In other words, a state that um, is even-handed with all religions uh, and all religious expressions within the bounds of how the state operates. I am in favor of a completely secular state. Those are two different Mm. things. Uh, So I don't want a government that uh, one day does a Christian prayer, another day does a Muslim prayer in um, another day, does a satanic prayer? I want a state that doesn't do prayer. So, uh, with that, with that said, Robert, uh, where are both of us wrong?
2: Um, I, I would agree with you that that would be preferred. I don't think that's how this, uh, at least the United States, was founded. Um, separation Church and State. I think atheists tend to, we tend to twist that a little bit. To be honest, but I. I agree that you're 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 correct there that that would be preferred. I, I'm confused about Dale's response, though. Uh, there, I, I could have swore you were in favor of a theocracy.
0: When did I ever say that? It's,
2: I recall it's like, you saying <laughs> like that on the show before, or, or at least it was uh, 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 some a, a form of theocracy.
0: Uh, so, so maybe yes and no so I don't remember ever saying that on, on your show but you, you do sometimes kind of like you think I'm a divine command theorist I'm not but but you think that so maybe it's the way I'm coming across but it so Israel was a theocracy at one time that was good that's great in the future uh, I look forward to a, a theocratic state that's going to be good Jesus is the king and that sort of thing but in the intermedium era that the Christian, the New Testament recognizes. So Christ is one, he's defeated Satan with the, the atonement and the resurrection, that sort of thing. But it takes time. We're in a messianic era. It's, it's not an all at once type thing. We're, we're building up to the kingdom of God, ruling over all the nations and that sort of thing. So in the intermedium, um, I think it is best to have a separate a proper separation of church and state and yeah i i do think um sometimes atheists go too far with that but yeah in the meantime during this period if, so,
2: yeah go ahead if we're talking about something being amoral like there's there's progression from the seed to the tree mm-hmm. is it wrong for the seed to not be the tree no is it wrong for the tree to not be the seed no It it's that it's a it's a progression thing. It's it's occurring over time, but it's not wrong for it to be at any certain stage. Okay. But what you're trying to make it sound like that's what this is. That's what this this the the I political see. world is. That it's just things are kind of progressing as they are. No, there's there's something wrong about North Korea. Yes or no?
0: Yes, yes, and, and, and
2: yeah. And it's violating the rights of the people within it in the same way that rights were violated um, in the Old Testament, right? And, and the, the theocratic state of that, that war tribe that was going around and killing other nations because they believed they were God's chosen people in the same way that it would be wrong gotcha. for in the future our rights to be denied to us and the future theocratic state, the rights that right now you claim to value, but then will take away from someone else in the future, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, I think you are absolutely right. So, so in that sense, uh, the separation of church and state is not morally ideal. It, it's not, it's a, it's a compromise. It's something that, you know, it's the lesser of two evils, something that has to be allowed because of our state of sin and, and that sort of thing um but but yeah it would be better the moral ideal is that there there is no period of sinfulness we're just in a theocratic state um for, forever like that would be the way it's supposed to be uh if that makes sense
2: and this is this is my point is you you are a theocrat when it when when it is broken down to it yeah. You liked it in the past, you're looking forward to it in the future, and right now you don't even really believe that people should have the freedom they do. You don't, you don't think that it's, it's moral, it's, uh, eh, we got it, we, you know, it's, 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 no. it's no. I don't like it, but this is the way it's got to be for now. You actually don't support my freedom as an atheist. What do you think should happen to me?
0: Well that, that's wrong So I do support your freedom Even, even in the theocratic state uh, you, It's called hell You, you have the option to, to not be a part of the theocratic state Well that's what hell, hell is It's a quarantine zone <laughs> Hey you, I don't want anything to do with this theocratic state hey, I think own
2: it should burn in hell Is that what you're telling me? Uh, well you won't be
0: burning right? So I, I believe in a quarantine uh, Model of hell Not a torture chamber model of hell
2: do, do, do you understand? In my in my intro, I was talking about how the people that are listening that are on the fence, that, oh my God, the grass is literally greener on the other side. I'm telling you, you let that baggage go. Imagine waking up tomorrow, Dale, and not, having a, a, not looking at Robert Stanley in a way that you would say, I think he should go to hell. Do you do, you, do you, I mean can you like like you, you, you watch a movie and you get into it for a second and you kind of put yourself in the role of the character, right? Mm-hmm. Try to put yourself in the role of not being that vindictive, that evil, that hateful while you're calling it Christ's love. Dale, it's horrible the way that you look at non-believers or quote unquote sinners or maybe people that like to put dicks in their ass i don't know that's a bad thing right but imagine looking at the world without all that judgment that that you deceitfully cloak as as god's love it would be wonderful i'm telling you dale it would be like dropping a bag of bricks off your back
0: I actually I find it liberating because I I don't it's not vindictive in hell at all right like I I don't judge you God is God is the judge but even even on God's end I don't think you understand how I view hell you've got this twisted version of hell from down in the South U S or something like that but think of it think of it this way I, I've got like the C S Lewis model of hell in in mind so God God is saying. This is what's right or wrong. I'm your creator and designer. I know what's good for you. This is the good life. This is the meaningful life. I mean, uh, David, and another Christian, just did a debate on my show about the meaning of life. So he, this is how you live the good life. This is what's good for you. This is what uh, will benefit you. And you are saying in your freedom, God made you a free will agent. You're saying, no, I don't want that. I don't want to worship you and ascribe worth to What you call the good things, I've got my own ideas. And so God says, okay, that's fine. You've got this place called hell where you can do that. You and all the other people that don't want to be with me or or have an eternal relationship with me, you're free to go there. Now, now it's. I will say this. It's not uh, like, oh, cool. Well, let's have a party in New York or a city. Then we we're, we're free of God, and we can just do everything. But you will be living in in your sin, sinful ways that are bad for you, right? Because you'll be totally separate from God's love, God's truth, uh, all sense of of goodness and morality. So imagine living in that, and that's where the the bad parts of hell come in it's not external punishment imposed by god as though he's torturing you and and stuff like that but it's it's internal you you recognize you're not living the way you should be and and you are living a sinful eternal life in this place does that does that help relieve some of the
2: issues for you or i it sounds as loosey-goosey as your explanation for the errors in the old testament to me
1: so let me, let me just butt in and ask, um, ask a clarifying question uh, here for me as I've been listening to this. Um, Dale, you, um, you, you spoke of uh, the kingdom of God and so forth, and the Bible uh, talks about the, the government of God as a kind of a monarchy. Uh, but most of the world has, has walked away from monarchies. So, are you saying that you believe that a monarchy is the best thing, and that's what you're looking forward to? I mean, why why couldn't why couldn't Jesus rule as, uh, say, a, an elected president? <laughs> you know, uh, and and beyond that, um, I had a follow up, but I, I'll I'll just I'll leave that for the moment. Tell me, tell me, is is are you longing for the monarchy?
0: Uh, the, the theocracy, yeah, um, with God as the monarch, Jesus is our king. And when you have a morally perfect, omnipotent, omniscient being that is worthy of worship, there is no electing someone okay, else. So, what does it That's, mean
1: to be a king in in heaven? I mean, is will there be politics? Will there be tax, uh, property tax? Will there uh, will there be crime? What do you have to? What are you ruling? In, in perfected, where humans are perfected, and you're in a perfected place, and there's no scarcity. I don't understand the model of a king or even a president in that kind of situation. It's Yeah,
0: well, you're ascribing the ultimate worth to God. You're worshiping him forever. Yeah, yeah, I, get, eternal- I get
1: worship, but why does he need to be a king? I mean, why, why do we need politics at that point?
0: we don't need politics like that's it depends what you mean by politics but he is our sovereign ruler for forever and he's the paradigm of of goodness and that sort of thing Robert, he's do you gonna, understand
1: what I'm asking about, about yeah. what is there to rule <laughs> <Okay>. in paradise
2: <laughs> yeah help, I, I help think me. the problem that he's having is that he's using uh, bronze age wording to try to explain uh, modern societal uh, exchanges, right? So I mean, he's, he's using this term uh, like Lord, you know, that, that originated from Mesopotamia. And we somehow hung on to that, you know, right up until the enlightenment. So he's post enlightenment using pre enlightenment terminology. And it, really doesn't make sense. You're right. And and, and the the, whole, the other thing is you you're saying that like we're we're these completed beings, right David, we're we're kind of perfected with our new bodies and and sinless and I don't think he's addressing that part. He's he's just trying to find a way to explain the old terminology in a, in a new context right, right. because he's we not don't a, need a police. police,
1: we don't need to pay taxes we right. don't need uh, street repairs I don't know what a political system whether you call it a, a monarchy or what, I don't know what, what good that is
0: well, well there is moral development in heaven and, and we would need a leader, a perfect leader for, for that perhaps so right? we wouldn't it's, be
1: perfectly moral we would still have to grow in morality is that what you're suggesting?
0: we wouldn't be perfect but we would we would need development not even necessarily on the moral end but on other ends i can grow in my knowledge and that sort of thing forever and grow in different ways of, of enjoying my eternal life and that sort of thing and you would need a leader to to lead you in in those ways because even in our state of heaven we may know we may be sinless but great we don't have a need for police anymore Nonetheless, we would have a need for, for a leader for other to teach us things. We would need a teacher and, and that sort of thing. So,
2: It sounds more like a shaman or a yogi or guru or something like that. It doesn't sound like, like the term king would apply still.
0: Yeah, well, perhaps that it it's just a terminology thing. Um, the king was what they had to express, God's sovereign rulership and leadership over the the heaven state um you know why
2: sorry You, you know why they were limited to uh an inappropriate description like god would be king in heaven that doesn't need politics is because they were stupid and and we know they were stupid because we didn't learn about toilet paper um until 500 AD, we didn't learn about uh, toothbrushes until the cowboy and Indian days. So people were stupid about toothbrushes before the cowboy days, right? And we're smart about toothbrushes now. And we're stupid about politics and, and theology even back then. Modern religion's that come up now are way smarter. Mormonism is smarter than Judaism. It's just better because guess what? They have space. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's the same argument of I can write a better Bible. All I have to do is take out one bad part from the Bible and look at, it, I improved it by editing or I just add in one more good thing, right? It, things that come after are better. And what we have now post enlightenment, this freedom The concept of democracy, right, freedom of speech, separation of church and state, uh, a secularized form of government that doesn't favor one religion over another, that's better than what you're proposing because what you're proposing is antiquated. So, Dale, let me give you the
1: last word, try to make it uh, under a minute because we don't have a lot of time left for the big the topic, <laughs> so um, oh, hit, hit us with a bit of minute <laughs>
2: take, take as much time as you want i'm I'm having so much fun with you guys
1: all right. oh awesome awesome all right cool uh,
0: so, so yeah, i I think that it's so, in the first place, you, Robert, are stupid, and me me as well. Uh, talk to people a thousand years from now you you think our terminology of using space will be smart uh, no. so so I think that there is a limitation, right God has to speak to the people back then as well as to us and when he uses a word like king what what is that what are the aspects of that that uh, that word is meant to convey and and i don't see any problem with talking about king he's the sovereign ruler of everything of of creation and the universe this this is how the ancient jews would define him and and the word king perfectly conveys that even to us today or that's the way I see it uh I I don't think of the word king and then think oh well there's a police force they they didn't have police back then anyways but um yeah like I I don't it it depends how you're using the word and I think the bible could be using the word king in a he, he will be a regal ruler he will be an almighty sovereign leader for the people and that's the aspect that it's trying to convey using a word that would speak to people back then and still speaks to us today. I I know what a King is. I, we can understand what, what a King is. So it is still useful today. Um, yeah, that's how I would respond. there. Well,
1: I personally know what a King is too, and I don't find any part of it useful or appealing. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to ever go backward, uh, and live in a, in a place where there's a King, uh, but that's, I mean, that, that may be part of the barrier for someone like me. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, your vision of this idyllic future, and you're talking about every knee shall bow uh, before this king that we will be constantly giving worship to, I, I just say, yeah, ew. ew. <laughs> so, um, you know, if there's a better um, metaphor than king, maybe Christians should consider using that. Yeah. Okay. Was that yeah, the last? Word or I, I guess fine? so. That's just, that's just that's just a thought uh, to to leave with you there. So um, this okay. this should be the more interesting part of the program. In, in case you didn't find the last two sessions interesting, I personally did. Um, I'm gonna. I, I want to try to moderate this in a way where we s- have a high level discussion and stay out of the weeds. I know I'm going to fail. So I'm just going to I'm just going to make my intentions known to the audience before I get beat down. Um, so I don't want to turn this into a sl- another slavery discussion. Okay, we've we've got plenty of that. Matt Delahanty does it better than all three of us. Um <laughs> And, uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to get into the finger pointing of, oh, you're, you're, you're not defining slavery. Right. And you're not reading this passage. Right. And I want to try to have a higher level conversation if we can about the morality of the Bible in general. Um, and yeah, we, we, we will probably break down to some specifics, um, Anyway but I, I want to see if we can have a high level higher level discussion so i 'm just going to start off with a brief statement and i 'm going to i'm going to turn it to uh, Robert and then Dale uh, so first of all I would say in terms of the question of morality in the Bible or morality in Christianity or morality in God however you want to break that down morality in religion. I don't find that religion teaches anything or gives us anything of morality that we couldn't get without it. Uh, So whether there are some useful things in there or not, I I find irrelevant. Um, I think before turning to a source like the Bible, I wouldn't necessarily want to know, is there a useful thing in there I can get, but is there an absolutely necessary thing, uh, thing in there that I need? Because I can turn to Mein Kampf. And probably find some useful things in there. That's irrelevant. That's not a source that I would go to uh, for my morality. And so I think, first of all, the Christian has to make the case that the Bible is a source that um, that people should go to and that we somehow need uh, for morality. Second of all, I would say that in specific, many of the things in the Bible that seem to pass as moral don't pass my morality test. So we can talk about whether they're good because God says they're good. I don't care. I honestly don't care. If, if they don't seem good to me, and if, if doing something that the Bible says um, is, would be immoral to me, then it's still immoral. So I'm not entirely sure why it would be useful to use the Bible, or any other book for that matter, as somehow the measuring stick for what morality is. Morality is something that we humans have to negotiate uh, among ourselves because we have to live with each other. Uh, and so your, your idea of morality may clash with my idea of morality. We're gonna have to negotiate that. And I, I don't see the idea of a single book dictating what is moral to everybody. I don't, I don't find that useful. Uh, I'll leave off my third point for now because I feel like I've been talking too long, but just as a general rule, I don't see any reason to put the Bible uh, in the place of a moral guide, uh, even if there are some things that are good in it. I don't think that's fundamentally where humans should look for morality, and it's not just the Bible, but that or any other book uh, for that matter. Uh, Robert, uh, religion, morality
2: thoughts i could listen to you talk i, I should listen to the show more often I, I told you i had heard it before but i i don't i don't listen to every episode and i'm going to i i really enjoyed listening to that i, I liked how you framed that and i i agree um i don't i don't know that there's too much to add to it i, I would i would be kind of just be curious if if you don't mind I, what dale's response to that would be i, I got nothing to say on that
1: Dale, the floor is yours. All right. Well, thanks. I
0: guess you're you're more interested in David, so good good on you to to listen to the show on SNS for for
2: his sake. But that's yours, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I keep forgetting you guys split up. Why'd you guys split up? Some, was it over a girl?
1: Yes. Uh- no. <laughs> but that's a more interesting story. Uh, let's let's fanfic that one out. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh <laughs>
0: so 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 yeah so the first thing that you said David is why on earth would uh, you go to the Bible as opposed to any other source I think this was your first main argument and the reason is is because this is the divine approved moral guide and those other books are not even if they include some things that are consistent with that but this is what provides you the official moral guide if Christianity is true and the Bible is, word of god so so that's why you should privilege that and maybe you can get one or two things from other sources right the, the bible itself admits this that you have a moral conscience that's a, a a way to get moral knowledge and you can you know that it's wrong to murder you you don't know the you don't need the bible to to know that on your own or you could read a uh, some book or something like that and pick up uh yeah it's, it's wrong to steal it hurts people or something like that but if you want the complete or the sufficient moral guide, then you do need the Bible for that because that's not necessarily going to be in every other book. There are differences between the moral guidelines in, in the Bible and other books. So, so yeah, that's, that's why you would need the Bible and it provides you the, the extremely important moral guide, guideline of how to get saved, how to develop that total salvation fit character and to, to go through the sanctification process on that end. The the second thing, sort of countermands that. So you're saying, you if something's immoral to you, relative, uh, on a relative standard, um, then that means it's objectively immoral for God to command it. So if to you it's wrong to, you know, to to say homosexuality is a sin or something, then that means it actually is immoral, and that's just illogical. That doesn't follow at all. This, when we have an objective standard, God is the objective standard of goodness, of morality itself, and he's telling you, look, this is wrong. I'm your creator. I designed you for, you know, male, one man, one woman in marriage for sexual union, then yeah, that it doesn't
1: matter what you think. Uh okay, let me let me just give you a real example so that we don't um float around with some of the more controversial stuff. Um one ex- one real example would be uh, the New Testament. Uh, let's go there. Uh the rules about shunning. Uh now we don't use words like shunning usually in mainstream Christianity, although some do. Uh the Mormons use this word. But the idea of shunning is that uh someone has Uh, fallen away or committed some sin. They're a member of the church and they uh, have not repented and uh, they've been visited by the elders and they will not repent or, you know, however that process goes. And you are to not, uh, allow them into your house. Don't eat with them. Don't wish them Godspeed. And this would be true even of a family member, um, and so there there are some very specific and harsh shunning laws in the New Testament that modern Christians don't tend to talk about today. But I would say that those rules are immoral and that a Christian should not follow those rules, especially if it, if it uh, offends your conscience. I think that those shunning rules are exactly the wrong thing. Uh, to do and you will do more harm than good if you follow them so you have on the one hand the bible making a clear prescription of what one should do and it definitely falls uh, outside of what is good and moral not just for me but for many other christians as uh, thankfully most christians ignore those rules
0: Okay, so, so yeah, I would just say, so in the first place, you're absolutely right.
1: And I, I believe this, um, as
0: my church teaches, church discipline is a real thing, and Excommunication is the proper word for it um, in a Christian context. This is a punishment that is biblically prescribed, and there are certain standards of how you get there. You don't; it's not an immediate thing. You try your best to get the, the Christian to repent, but if he's just not repenting, such as the the guy in First Corinthians who is sleeping with his mom or something like that, then yeah, you excommunicate. Hey, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> this is a real this is in the bible yeah there's the there's someone who was sleeping with his mom or mom-in-law his mother-in-law
1: but that's fine
0: gotcha um so so yeah this is not allowed he was unrepentant so paul said look you've got to excommunicate this guy um and that that doesn't mean oh if he's a dependent or something like that oh his family has to shun him from the house no the the there are reasonable circumstances here, right? And this guy was a full adult. He was living on his own or something like that. But what happens in Second Corinthians when we follow up with that case? Paul scolds the Corinthians and says, Hey, you guys are going way too far. You, you this guy is living in despair. Um, you know, the, the point of, of the discipline is to get him to want to come back. And he he is repentant now. He's in despair after what he what he did, so let him back in. And you know, this reflects in later church history with the Lapsi in two hundred and fifty a d and Cyprian and all of that people that that sacrificed to the to the gods and there is these debates between the conservatives no nope, they they sacrifice to the gods to the heck with them they're out. they're going to hell and stuff like that whereas the the so we, Orthodox we don't have Christians, a lot
1: of cases uh, these okay, days but, of someone sleeping with their mother-in-law but Uh, We do have plenty of cases where people are uh, living together unmarried, say. Do you think those rules should apply uh, to those people? I I hate to say homosexuality because I'm afraid that that's going to take us down a rat hole. But obviously you think it would apply to those people too. Am I correct?
0: If they're engaging in, in sexual intercourse, whether it's it doesn't matter whether it's homosexuality right. so or not. I, I would
1: say that even as a Christian, even while I was wearing the cloth, as it were, um, I I had come to a point in my walk where I felt that, uh, despite what the Bible clearly said, and I I understood what the Bible clearly said, uh, that went against my moral conscience, my understanding. Uh, of what a a true, good, healthy relationship with human beings was. Uh, And so I joined the millions of people who ignore uh, those passages or or massage them in some way. If I had done those things, you, Dale, would say, oh, well, you would have have been moral. But I would have been going against my own moral conscience. Uh, And so to me, I would have been immoral. And I, I find that to be... Uh, truly problematic. Uh Robert, you've you've heard a little bit of this conversation now. Um weigh in.
2: Um I feel like the shunning examples difficult like while while I agree with you, it's 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 not um it's not offensive enough, I think, to make this point with Dale because you know he's gonna say eh, it's not that bad, right? And it's it's for the best. Yeah, he's I'm never looking. been
1: shunned. Um and apparently he was not a part of uh, one of the churches that got sued for, I want to say, $8 million for this having. This, this has happened on a number of occasions because it is, it is that bad when you're on the, on the other end of it.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, can, can I offer a different example? Sure from uh, Numbers... I,
1: I already said from the beginning this was going to go into the weeds, so...
2: <laughs> That's. I'm avoiding Exodus 21 at, at your request, sir. Okay. But uh, Numbers 15. Um, God had uh, told the Israelites not to gather sticks on the sap, right? we all familiar with that. Um, verse 32... Um, sorry, 33... And they that found him gathering sticks, no, it was there too all right, and while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day.: Heaven forbid. Yeah. Um And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation, and they put him in ward. This is already bad, you know they're, they're, they're basically they abducted this person. <laughs> now they, they locked him up. Um, because it was not declared what should we do with them and the Lord said unto Moses the man shall surely be put to death somehow God talked to him I don't know but he said he shall surely be put to death all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp and all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones and he died <laughs> well that sounds okay. like justice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, according to you, that's a moral thing to do. So let me ask you if uh, tomorrow I am gathering sticks, <clears throat> is it moral to hit me with a rock?
0: No, it's not.
2: If <clears throat> thousands of years ago, I was gathering sticks. Would it have been moral to hit me with a rock?
0: Uh, so I'm going to say so no, but I'm playing a trick. There's a reason why I say no, for you specifically.
2: If I was a Jew in the Old Testament days, mm-hmm. and I was gathering sticks on Sunday, would it be moral to hit me with a rock?
0: Uh, so so yes, if you were if you were working. Uh, on the Sabbath or whatever, there, there is this law, right? This prescribed punishment for uh, you doing that. And the, I mean, this isn't unique. There's a whole host of, of things. Um, in, in terms of the sticks itself, though, I, that specific issue um, might have been unique because it was a symbolic gesture. It's, it's kind of like an axe where uh, they withhold part of their money and God kills them as an object lesson for the for the first instance of a case um so I, i'm not i'm not sure that picking up sticks qualified for work qualified as work um it was more sort of the the attitude of this first guy he was considering it as work it was sort of a, an act of rebellion and this is why god acted so extreme to say
2: it's not written in the bible
0: that's not written in the bible
2: you you just said something extra biblical to defend something biblical you're, you're adding some to a stone. So, so show, me,
0: show me the verse where it says if you pick up sticks, and this applies to everyone, it's not a descriptive case, but it's prescriptive, that counts as work, and therefore you will be killed.
2: I just read it. I literally just read that to you. And the Lord that. spake unto Moses saying, go what? throw stones at that guy's face till he dies from it
0: to that guy, that's a descriptive case, right? It's not necessarily prescriptive for everyone. Do you get what I'm saying? No. Okay. Uh, was everyone swallowed by a great fish? No. Okay, so, so that's, it was only Jonah. That was a descriptive story unique to him. And what I'm saying is that I think this is a unique story, unique. Uh, to that guy as an object lesson. Just like not everyone that didn't give all their money in the new church era, they weren't killed by the Holy Spirit, like
1: Saphira and... Wait, wait a minute. Was picking up sticks uh, against the Sabbath or not?
0: I don't think it was. I don't think that counted. What's against the Sabbath is working on
1: the Sabbath day, whatever qualified as work.
2: Well. But- picking up sticks that's that's work
1: i mean especially in the context of you know you're, you're you're cleaning you're cleaning up your your lawn your driveway you know there's been a strong wind that tree over there is blown off some branches think i'll pick them up and move them over here uh i've got a few extra minutes uh let's neaten up the yard I mean, that's picking up sticks to me, or maybe picking up sticks is, you know what, I need to build a fire, I forgot to uh, get some uh, kindling yesterday, I think I'll just collect some today. There are all kinds of reasons you would pick up stick and you could call it all work. I don't, I'm, so I'm trying to get it you It's, get what it's you're a Jewish saying.
2: custom, they, they make <laughs> special uh, uh, machines so that Jews don't have to, like, actually cook the food, it's like, it, it, it does it for them on the Sabbath, like... We all know what this verse is saying. You're just, you're twisting. You're, no. you're, you're really like intentionally being dishonest.
0: Please stop calling me dishonest if you don't mind. I, I, don't, I really don't like when people do that because I'm, I'm being honest, right? So okay, um,
2: yeah. give, give me a chance because I don't, I don't want to offend you. So let me, let me fix that. I don't mean to call you a liar, right? I, I've never heard you say like a, a, a lie. When I say you're you're dishonest, I mean intellectually dishonest. Um, You are choosing to see this in a way that isn't going to go against your already held beliefs, and that to me is what why I say dishonest. It's not it's not to uh, like intellectually inconsistent. I think is is that what you're going for? (laughs) Yeah, but it's not just that. It's it's there's there's a deliberate. A deliverance to this—that you are deliberately saying things that don't align with what I think. You kind of know is true, but you're 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 not thinking about it, right? You're choosing not to look at it from a certain perspective intentionally, and then the words that you say, you believe are, are you're speaking truth, but there is a a certain amount of avoidance of that annoying little cognitive dissonance that's occurring in your head. And, and that it would be the same as if I said, you're, you're being cowardly mentally, right? Like, I'm not saying you're a coward. I'm just saying you're, you're, it's like, it's like you should, and making a moral claim here. You should have the courage to look at this and call it BS. And you should have, the the uh, intellectual integrity to be able to admit that this is just as false as the creation story it's just false in a different way it's not false uh, uh, epistemologically it's pol- it's false ethically
0: yeah so so under that guy so both of you know me that i'm not even if it, the text says what you says that's not a problem for me i don't have a problem with people dying for, for God's cause, so that, that's not why I'm trying to avoid it. I don't have an ethical dilemma. I just know the text. So I know the ancient Jews did not interpret it this way. We have rabbinic traditions. They did not, it was a question, what exactly qualifies as work under this verse? And they didn't take picking up sticks as a a definitive, this counts as work, if you pick up one stick. So David gave two examples, right? So there's the, the first example he gave uh, someone's going out and, oh, shoot, I forgot to finish my work uh, from the previous day, so let me just pick up a few sticks and get, you know, just a little head start. That would qualify as work. But if if you need to uh, warm your family or something like that, and, oh, shoot, I forgot to grab sticks to warm my family, that would not qualify as work and you wouldn't be dead. So there's- so,
1: so actually, I would just have to challenge you a little bit on that because I was looking at the passage uh myself and it it says uh they they caught a man uh, found him gathering wood gathering wood is a type of phrase that you would use if you were you know trying to build a fire or trying to warm the house or trying to make camp or any of those that's that's a that's a phrase that you do and I don't so, I don't see how you would exclude that from Gathering wood, wood gathering. Um, that's what that's what this guy was doing. And so, you think that it was okay and perfectly moral to kill this guy? Uh, and I, I, even just putting myself in your mindset to, to the best that I can, you know, God gave a clear law; He was disobeying it. Do you do you honestly want to defend that law as just? Yeah,
0: if if you're giving it my my yeah, proper I'm, I'm giving
1: it I'm giving it your interpretation, uh your spin, it's work, God said don't work. Now I I just I just want to address how far into the Christian bubble you have to be to believe that working on a Sabbath day is a death penalty offense. Most of us would look at that and say, "Yeah, okay, God told him not to work, and he worked." That's not to die for.
0: Yeah. So. So. Yeah. I do defend that. So. You know. I'm. I'm not being uh, disingenuous in saying that. Yeah. Once you properly interpret what the command, there, there are explicit commands that where God says if you do something that, you know, then you get the death penalty, and we would look at that today right, as I that's not that
1: We would say that that is not a. a- that is not a just punishment. That is, that is not a crime. That should be a crime, first of all. But uh, to kill someone over is not a just punishment. And so since, since this question is about the morality of the Bible and hopefully a, a higher level look at the morality of the Bible, if a person sees that, like myself, for instance, uh, or like Robert, and says, oh, that, that is not what I understand is moral, are they not? Can you not understand why we would dismiss the Bible completely as a, as a guide for finding morality when that is in there as a law? And, and, and it is saying, yeah, vi- violating this law of working, doing any type of work on this day means a death penalty offense. This is the moral intuition of this God. Can't you understand why we would say, okay, I'm not really interested in what else this guy has to say?
0: Uh, so, so no, I can't because it, it just seems like an emotional reaction. So, I, <laughs> I've tried to – no, well, I've done shows with both of you guys, right? So, uh, I've done the assessment of how we're supposed to assess moral disagreements, and you guys are making the claim. So, you have to bear the burden of proof and prove that it actually is
2: Ooh.
1: immoral in the – what am I, but I I personally don't want to, to to try to prove that this is immoral. I, I I think that if what we're talking about is a person gathered some wood uh, on a on a holy day, um, and the and the law was kill him. If if I'm talking to someone who doesn't see that as immoral, I don't I don't think that I can convince them. It's a little bit like uh, the law that says kill uh, anyone who's caught in adultery. We would have to literally kill almost everybody <laughs> who is alive today, and going back for a long time, there would be so few people on the planet if what we did was murder a person every time they were caught in adultery. Guess what? We're humans. We ad- we ad- we adulter. <laughs> we 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 do that. Sorry, you can sue us. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have a problem if you try to chop my head off or even go Lor- 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 Lorraine Bambi- it on me. Um, Dave, Dave. I, I'm sorry. I
2: think, sorry. <laughs> I think, I think, I think I, no, I'm with you. I, it just hit me, man. It, I, it was getting to a point of absurdity that I was actually just laughing and not even, you know, but it just hit me. You and I are talking about, when we say the word morality, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about uh, Kant. We're talking about Raw's. We're talking about... Uh, um, uh, um mill right we're talking about the complexity, the, the the philosophical uh discussion of ethics itself, right I don't think when Dale uses that word, he's talking about that, and in fact, I don't know that Dale would have a lot to offer that conversation, but like like Dale, what is morality?
0: Yeah, so yeah. So it is sad because I, I have offered it to you, but morality is a – vile. so something is immoral when it violates a moral principle, a universal moral principle, right? Morality, uh, uh, in a categorical sense, like Kant would, would teach, there's a categorical imperative.
2: Can, can you replace the word moral principle with what you mean by that and then restate it?
0: Uh, sorry, What what are you
1: asking me to do?
2: what defines a universal moral principle and then use that in place of the word universal moral principle with the statement, if that's possible. And the only reason I say that is is it would be the same as if I was saying um, uh, use, um, use a Phillips to attach the screw. And my definition of Phillips was a flathead. Then it would be better for me to say Uh, use the screwdriver that's flat on the end to attach the screw because there would be confusion. We already had confusion with the word morality, and I'm not wanting there to be more confusion because it it took us, what, 20 20 minutes just now to find out that two-thirds of the people in the conversation were having a a semantics problem. right? Right. You really weren't talking about the same thing we're talking about. But now when I say, can you define it, you throw in another, like, universal moral principle. Like, get, you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want to just do that again.
0: Um, well, so you understand what deontology, is. Uh, deontological ethics is rule-based ethics. This is, so pr- moral principles would be a necessary moral rule. Um, so the preservation of h- human life. Right. There's a principle of life, preservation, or there's a principle of truth. Um, These are sort of examples. In in this case, it's the principle of life um, that's at stake. We're saying that principle is violated. Therefore, this action is immoral.
2: Right. But
1: that still doesn't. Where, where do the principles come for you? Uh, come from for you, Dale? Because I've I've often I've had this conversation with Christians a lot of times, and and what I have charged is that what Christians mean by moral is whatever uh, God wants, and immoral is whatever uh, displeases God, whatever goes against His will. Is it, when it when it comes right down to it, is that what we're talking about, Dale?
0: So no, moral principles are necessary moral rules grounded in God's essential well, but it,
1: with the example that we've got on the table you know either picking up sticks or adultery, take your pick it's wrong because God says it's wrong and it's worthy of death because God says it's worthy of death
0: put it this way we know that we know what we know that it's wrong because God told us Right. That he gave that, us this command. He would not have given us a command if it were, were immoral.
2: But Dale, with your definition of morality, do you recognize that you can't even ask that question? Is the Bible moral? So, like, you're not even addressing the topic. Of course the Bible's moral if morality is defined the way that you define it. It's the, the uh, principles, the universal principles that come from the universal creator, right? Well, in that sense, you believe that this is his book. So it, it's, it's going to be circular reasoning to try to say the Bible isn't moral. Is, there's no way that we could do that with you. And you have to understand that whenever people talk about morality, that's not what they're talking about, Dale. That's not, that's not what uh, why we went through you know hundreds of years of of philosophy of ethics. If, if that were the case, we wouldn't have had to uh, try to figure out whether or not utilitarianism was correct or whether or not Kant's categorical imperative kind of has some major flaws. We figured that out 300 years ago. No modern philosopher is going to argue Kant. We use him as a, a way to try to understand how philosophy developed the topic of ethics. But nobody's talking about ethics the way that you're talking about it. In fact, what you're talking about isn't ethics. That's That's just... God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's, that's not morality at all. We're talking about totally different things, and there's no way that you can even answer the question with your definition of morality.
0: Yeah, so, so again, it, it's you, you're not understanding what I'm saying then, so I, I would just say, actually you can make judgments, right? You can ask whether or not, it's a question whether or not God gave this command, whether or not the Bible reflects his actual commands. Uh, you can also assess: um, Is God violating a moral principle or not? Um, we we did we
2: literally did that. That's not morality. You're, that's that's just trying to like figure out like what would God want me to do, and and that's that's Bible study stuff, man. That's something you can do in Sunday school.
1: No, but the, this is what assessing you, whether it's true. Okay, well, let, me, let me let me let um, me
2: awesome.
1: let me see if I can uh, get some clarity and a little bit of agreement before we. Before we have to cut it off for today, so Dale, you said earlier that you are not a divine command theorist. Uh, so, for the right. listener, the divine command theory is God said it, and so, or or some authority said it, and therefore that is the that is the right and moral thing to do. So, uh, with the example of picking up sticks on the Sabbath, gabbeth, gathering wood on the on the Sabbath. Uh, If God had not commanded that a person could not work on the the Sabbath, would it have been immoral for a person to gather wood on the Sabbath? Uh, I'm sorry, say the last part again. Sure. If God had not commanded that you couldn't work on the Sabbath, would it have been immoral to gather wood on the Sabbath? so no it wouldn't because that's that's an example of a moral duty where so god the, gives us the only thing that makes it immoral is god said not to do it
2: well
0: so so no because it's it's a second stage thing right so so i believe in i'm a deontological ethicist and a virtue ethicist so god has these overall moral principles why do we follow moral principles they develop virtuous characters as Aristotle said um, and this is the underlying reason as to why God gives us certain commands and thereby putting moral duties they serve the interests of fulfilling the, that ultimate goal or purpose okay so so once
1: again I don't I don't feel as a, as a moderator that I can explore that question. Or, or help explore that question of, is the Bible moral? Because it is going to eventually come back to, well, God, God said this, and then uh, philosophy, 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 and therefore um, that that's the way it should be. I don't, I, you're not leaving us, Dale, I think, with any way to explore whether God's commands are moral. Uh, and maybe, maybe, I guess the, the last thing I would, uh ask for is is that if you can bridge that gap because i'm pretty sure that we've got some listeners who are wondering well how do we judge the question so is is there is there some way we can look at one of god's commands say kill the kill the guy who picked up the sticks and then and then evaluate whether that is a moral command or not or do we just have to accept that it is moral because that's what god said
0: So so yeah, so so this is what I mean. Like you guys aren't aren't understanding what I'm saying. So I think that they're probably I give a sixty-five percent probability that the Bible teaches a complementarian perspective and that is immoral. How how am I able to say that if what you guys are saying about me is true? Obviously I'm able to judge as an outsider and say, look, there are three there are three reasons for a moral disagreement that I can use to assess any given claim. If a skeptic comes to me and says, picking up sticks and then killing them is immoral, I say, great, how do you know? What What is the moral principle that's being violated? Um, how does that relate to the moral hierarchy? Are there other moral principles at play that would override that given moral principle? And finally, what are the factual differences uh, between us that are leading to this? So we, we do have objective ways of deciding uh, and I've employed that. So well, I, I can't. Sure. I can't,
1: I personally can't do that. I'm ill-equipped to do it. Robert may be more equipped to do it. But could you just maybe reverse that for once again, the sake of the the audience, whose whose IQ level is probably down nearer mine uh, than yours, and just make the case for why you think it is moral, r- rather than asking me to make the case for why I think it isn't. Because I think it isn't because it seems awful. And I, I don't have better words than that right now. But maybe maybe you can, you know, make a case that, that I can relate to that tells me why you think it was right to kill the man for gathering wood on the Sabbath.
0: Yeah, so it was an act of rebellion on his part. And God. Would, this came right in the context of God was setting up his nation, Israel, that had strict rules to be set apart from the pagan nations, and played a significant role in salvation history, so saving as many souls as possible. This is my Molinistic defeater that um, b- both of you guys are familiar with or should be familiar with. Um, but you and don't this think my that God could have maybe
1: quarantined the man uh, or, you know, no, some, some other... I don't know how God would quarantine a man. Maybe he would build a prison, and then the man would be there, and food would magically appear in the prison so the man could eat. Um... And But, I, I mean, what do you mean, how would he? He's God. He's got every option besides killing in front of him.
0: Yeah, so, so under the Molinistic Defeater, if any circumstances other than what happened changed, then less souls would freely choose to be saved as a result. This is why he... Does it the way he and does? That's
1: why I say it's impossible to evaluate whether the Bible is moral or whether God is moral. Because at the end of it is a moral, uh, a Molinistic defeater that says, uh, "Hey, more souls are saved this way than that way, so it's moral." End of discussion. We don't we don't get to have that discussion. And when we're talking about morality, uh, I have to agree with Robert. That's not how we think. That's not how we talk. Um, for for people looking forward to more talk on this by the way. Um I've been tentatively invited um onto uh Dale's show later uh this year to talk about moral philosophy. And so I, I'm I'm getting a sense of what I'm getting into and what I've what I've got to work for. But I, I personally am doing my best to come alongside you and sit on the same side of the table under and understand uh and negotiate this this definition. I don't see a way. Uh, to get to your side of the table, but I'm going I'm to give the last word to Robert on this. And Robert, um, as we uh, wrap this up, um, in fact, I'm, I'm going to give the last word on this to Dale so that Dale can make your final statement. And then after that, uh, Robert, you can you can wrap up your final statement on this with your final statement for the podcast in general. So uh, Dale, take a few minutes and um, kind of summarize your uh, your thoughts. Um, well, I think I think I said it said it all. I'm,
0: I'm not really sure I have any overall summarization because it, it's been various topics. So, yeah, I'm happy to to give it to Robert for his
1: closing. Very good. And uh, by uh-huh. the way, thank you, Dale, for your participation. Uh, you have been a uh, good participant in a fun, if not sometimes frustrating, uh, discussion. But the frustration is most likely due to me. Um, and so as a moderator, I just want to say thank you for your participation, Robert. Uh, give us a summary and, uh, your last word.
2: So, uh, Dale mentioned a couple things. Uh, he said he, uh, he gets his morals from, uh, the Bible and he believes that morality and if a, a straw man in here, Dale, please interrupt. Like, don't, don't let me just keep going if I'm saying it wrong, but more or less, uh, this comes from, uh, a divine source, uh, and the way that he defended it with was, uh, the way that he defended that was with uh, deontology and virtue ethics. Mm-hmm. And now, his, his defense is almost recognizing that we're talking about something else, um, even though whenever we asked the original question, is the Bible moral? Dale, I think you knew what we were meaning by moral but you went ahead and answered the question with a a different definition of the word than what everyone else understood it to be and that
0: what what do you mean mean, by moral just so i know because i don't even know what you what you're talking like what what do you mean by moral if you if you don't mind answering that
2: uh so that is a pretty big big question um I think that morality is something that we're constantly understanding better as we go. I think it's something that can exist objectively and subjectively simultaneously. Uh, I don't think it's, it's, it's a relative thing. I think there is a standard. However, that standard is evolving sociologically. Uh, and that is the way that we understand how to treat one another. Um, how to treat conscious beings, um, how one one agent, and by agent I I just mean uh, an individual with personal agency, so this is (laughs) excluding rocks, for example, um, should be treated. uh, And throwing a rock at another human being is uh, wrong unless that other human being was going to do something to you, right? So it it would make sense in a, a... uh, reason for defense or a defense of a people or, or something like that. But um, the man gathering sticks did not violate the nap as it were. Right. He didn't um, do anything that hurt anyone else. Um, and these people threw rocks in his face. And that's why David and I can look at that and say, well, that's clearly immoral. And you would come back and say, yes, but that's, that's what God said. So that makes it right. Um, that, that, the defense that you give for that. Uh, there's a dog barking. Do you, Do you guys edit or is it all live?
1: No, I don't edit.
2: <laughs> uh, <all right. laughs> I'll just keep. Going.
1: Good luck. Uh, but um, if it makes you feel better, I'll say I'm going to edit that out. Don't worry about it.
2: Well, it's it's up to you. I just I was gonna I was gonna go handle the dog if you did. Ah, uh,
1: no, it's okay. Uh, no, my my hopefully. my cat usually makes an appearance on the podcast every week. <laughs> I I I <laughs> gave up uh, editing my cat out. <laughs>
2: the uh uh the problem with deont deontal, uh, deontology is that um it it forces you into uh, certain corners of uh purity that would cause more harm than good uh so um mill was able to destroy this uh fairly easily because it, it's the question of you know the nazi comes to your door and knocks on the door and says, "Are you hiding Jews in here?" Uh, you know, during World War II uh, time period, uh, it's a lie to say no. But also, if you tell the truth, the Jews will get killed. And and it was pretty. It it was it was pretty easy to destroy uh, Kant's philosophy. Even though it it's not. It, it was it was a, a a a foundational part of of understanding philosophy because we had to start with that. We had to start with the categorical imperative that you should always do as you would think everyone should always do all the time, right? Um, And then the other one you referenced, um, the the issue of virtue ethics, uh, the ability to access uh, eudaimonia, as it were, uh, Aristotle's whole concept that we should look to another person that is virtuous and uh, live like they live, and that would be the way for us to be pious um, and the way for us to be ethical. That was also corrected. In fact, even Kant rejected it. So it's funny that you referenced, here's my two defenses. They didn't agree with each other. Um, Aristotle never met Kant, of course, but but Kant was very familiar with Aristotle and, and rejected virtue ethics for the very reason that um, if you're not virtuous and you recognize that and you look at someone else that is virtuous... You're saying, I need, to, I need to mimic that person to make me virtuous. You don't know that you are virtuous enough to recognize virtue in another. And that's why virtue ethics makes no sense in terms of Christ. Because you could make the same virtue ethics argument about Muhammad or Buddha or um, Alistair Crowley, for that matter, right? Because you're not virtuous, so the, the, the very reason that you're looking toward another for virtue uh, refutes the fact that you're able to decide who is virtuous. Uh, so I, I say all that to say your whole argument doesn't make sense to me because you can't reference our definition of morality whenever you're not using it. And the, whenever you are referencing our definition of morality, the, the two philosophies that you use within secular morality – uh, one disagree with each other, and two are both uh, proven to be false uh, through philosophy. But that was that was my whole issue with your response there.
1: Well, yeah. once once again, thank you for both of you, Dale. I will give it to you to close out, but I will just say as my final thoughts. Uh, again, thank you for for both sides for giving me something to think about. Uh, where I where I sit right now is mostly where. I started, and just, just listening to Dale's uh, part of the argument is always interesting to me. So the question, uh, we dealt with three questions, uh, is the Bible true? I tried to bring a little bit of uh, nuance there, because the Bible is either true or not true all the time, uh, but we all agree that the Bible has maybe some things in it that aren't accurate okay so that's that's one data point. and we dealt with um, uh, politics and religion, uh, church and state and um, you know we, we talked about various political systems and at least two of us don't don't want a monarchy. Uh, we're not interested in a king and don't know what that means, but we all agree that that probably doesn't mean um, in religious terms what what it seems like it means. in in everyday mundane terms. So once again, I'd say the Bible maybe is, maybe is a little unclear there. Uh, And then on the third issue, well, is the Bible moral? Um, You know, we uh, once agree, once again, kind of agree that we can't even assess whether the Bible's moral based on our uh, normal human intuitions. And so I find whenever I'm assessing these types of questions about the Bible, Uh, I'm lost, and the answer is always some form of, well, you just need to trust it, uh, because otherwise it doesn't seem to be true all the time. Uh, It doesn't propose a political system or ultimate solution that I find compelling, uh, and it doesn't seem moral. Now, am I being evil when I say that? No, uh, uh, that's just how it comes across. And so I think that the Christian... And the skeptic has a little bit more work to do uh, when it comes to uh, finding some kind of agreement or detente on these matters. So I hope that I am a part uh, of further discussions as we try to carve out uh, some places where we can get some genuine understanding. Again, thank you both. Dale, you can close us out since it's your show. Maybe tell us what's going on next week. Maybe not. Up to you.
0: Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up there, David. Um, yeah, was, uh, thank you to both of you and Robert for coming on the show. Uh, next week, I, I, I'm i going to be working on the cosmological argument. And, David, I think you want me to come on SNS to discuss substance dualism. When, do you know when that is happening?
1: I do not. However, um, Dale and our friend Darren, uh, we'll be talking substance dualism, and uh, it should be interesting as these two have had some rather meaningful clashes on the board, <laughs> and uh, and they have had, in fact, at least one good live exchange. And so I can't wait to see uh, what they come up with here because I know that this subject is going to be important to them. But since I don't know exactly when I'm airing this episode. I don't exactly know when that uh, episode will be recorded and aired, but it will be soon, so that's something more to look forward to. Thank you for the plug. Skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com Send me an email, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com
2: And I would like to direct everybody to the righttoreason.com as well. Um, Right about the time this will probably come out, we were uh, speaking to a guy that... Believed he could heal people. Um, another episode uh, following that up as we speak to uh, Dave Warnock, a guy who's uh, uh, just realized or was just diagnosed with ALS and knows that he's about to die. And we discussed
1: what... Love that guy.
2: Yeah. Um, then we're following that up with a panpsychism debate. And after that, I will be debating a man that believes birds aren't real. So it's going to be a lot of fun. RightToReason.com. Uh, or find it on youtube click subscribe hit the bell just to make sure that you catch those episodes especially if you have ever wondered if birds are real or not we're gonna find out thanks guys so much i really appreciate this